Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Overstudies. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the podcast. Yes, we're back again for another very different episode this week, I would say. Yeah, it's another of our topic episodes and this one is quite a broad topic, um, but also kind of not, um, but is a little bit different away from some of the topics that we've done in the past. It's arguably my special interest topic, shall we say. <laughs> Every season we do like one episode where one of us is like, no, we have to do this episode. It's non-negotiable. This is your week. Yeah, but I actually, I have I have the qualifications to talk about this week, I would say. Are you going to start showing us your bachelor's degree in film and television like people on TikTok do? Yeah, I got a first. I'm going to milk that for the rest of my life of my most pointless degree in the world. It is your like one achievement in life, really, isn't it? It's probably the only thing I've achieved in my life, so let me have it. <laughs> you said it, not me. My name is Charlie. Mine's Becky. We are the Overstudies, and we talk about all things musical theatre, theatre, performing arts, and beyond. Yes. If you would like to join in the conversation, we are across various social medias. You can find us on threads and Instagram at Overstudies blog. We are on Blue Sky. Just search overstudies.co.uk. And you can also find us on the World Wide Web, overstudies.co.uk. You can find all our old radio shows, reviews, little bits of opinion pieces as well, and just catch up on what we've been up to, really. Yeah, you can do all of that. And also, if you want to let us know your views, your thoughts, if there's something you think we should talk about, if you want to weigh in on the topic of debate that is this week's episode, then you can also get in touch by emailing us stage at overstudies.co.uk or on our website. There is a little contact form. Just use that and that will pop through to us. I do forget about the contact form. She has she has served as well so far. She has. She does need a little bit more loving, though. We've, we've been neglecting her recently. Yeah. So go and give her some love if... You're that way inclined, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Shall we uh, actually say what the topic of the week is? Yes. So this week we are talking about all things that is the teen musical. So we are going to define what we mean by that, because that in itself is quite a broad topic and could have many, many different interpretations. It is. I'm pretty sure that if I said to uh, you, the listener, we're going to talk about a teen musical, you would have a different idea from the next listener and the next listener, and probably from what we're going to talk about as well. So we'll just kick things off by saying exactly what it is that we, the Overstudies, mean by the teen musical. So basically, we mean any musical that is pretty much based on a teen film or teen book. Young adult is the word that I would go for. Yeah. And anything that typically has quite a strong young adult following. Yeah. So this is a musical or show that may include, may have direct themes of being set in a high school or something like that. But also we are going to stretch it a little bit to talk about shows that are getting quite a strong young adult following when they're being staged. So there are a few little outliers of what may typically be classed as a teen musical, but it's our podcast. We make the rules. This is what we're going with. Yeah, I'm approaching this with what how you would define young adult in the book world, which is basically like university and under. Yeah. So like anyone in uni down to like early teens, 
basically the vibe we're going for here. Yeah. Or indeed those of us in our 30s who just like to still pretend that we are. 30 year old teenage girls. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's the vibe here. Um, But it is something that we've wanted to talk about for a while as people who are fans of teen musicals. Yeah, this has been one that's been on our to-do list up on the whiteboard of ideas for quite some time now. So we're going to finally get into it. We have, of course, done episodes before on a few of these famous team musicals, not least, of course, Heather's. It was going to get mentioned. You will be hearing more of it later. Do go check out some of those before you continue with today's episode, because we're not going to be taking a deep dive into any particular show this week. So it can be helpful to have an idea of some of our views of some of those shows already. Equally, don't do that now. Have our like light touch and then go and listen to them afterwards. Entirely up to you. Yes, I think that is a great way to approach things this week. So I think because we've already mentioned it, should we start with Heather's? Go on then. I think that at the moment, I would argue that Heather's is the quintessential teen musical. If you mention teen musicals to anyone, Heather's is probably going to be the first one people think of at this very moment in time. Yeah, without a doubt, particularly in the UK, Heather's, the phenomenon has swept across the West End and indeed the country as a whole, the touring scene. And it's gone from being quite a niche cult musical when it first came over to one of, I would say, the most important and the most groundbreaking musicals almost of the last kind of five years or so. Like, that no one in the theatre community hasn't heard of Heather's. Whether you love it, whether you hate it, whether you're looking for audition songs, whether you just like going to the theatre, Heather's has had an impact on everyone. I think this is what fascinates me about the show is that for something that is based on, while a teen film, an incredibly niche teen film that most people haven't seen, Heather's doesn't really get the benefit of that wider IP appeal. So it doesn't get that whole, I've seen the film, I know the story, I'm going for the nostalgia element as much as some of the other shows that we are going to be talking about. I think that Heather's has just grown this life of its own because it's just a good show. And I think it's quite fascinating when it does get grouped in with this like idea that it's just a cash grab because Heather's is the exact opposite of a cash grab because 90% of the people who go and see Heather's have never seen the film. I think that's the really interesting thing about Heather's is that whilst it has almost come to define a genre, the film that it's based on is forgettable, not in terms of the fact that it's a bad film because actually it's a really objectively good film, but it's a film that you either know about or you know nothing about it. And there is no in-between on that. And if you you might have heard once mention of Heather's the film, but if you then didn't go and see it, you can just forget about it. And I think that that's one of the really interesting parts about why the show has become so successful. And like you say, though, it is objectively a good musical. Like, yes, we love it. That's our subjective view. But objectively, it is also just a very, very good show. And I think that's one of the really interesting things about Heathers and why it's generated so much discourse that is very polarised, is that it's very complex and not something that we're going to get into too much. But certainly for me, 
people seem to just not like Heathers because it's part of the teen musical genre. Yeah. If this was a storyline, if you took Heathers, took all of the great, objectively great parts of it, the soundtrack, the score, the um, some of the dialogue, some of the the all the different building blocks that make it great and just made it about anything but a team musical, it would be stratospheric in terms of its impact and its appeal and the people who love it. But because its primary audience is teens and young adults and it is a team musical, it just seems to instantly get knocked down a peg for that. And I'm not saying it's the perfect show. There have been issues with some of the productions over the last couple of years, but that's not to say that it's not deserving of that praise and those important elements and that that impact that it has had. Yeah, I agree. I think that unfortunately Heather's and a lot a lot of these shows do fall victim to the idea that if it's enjoyed by teenage girls particularly, it's not good. And this is not something that is exclusive to the theatre world. It happens with music it happens with films it happens with tv shows it's a common trend unfortunately that has many layers of misogyny attached to it i would argue it's a shame to see a show that has broken some quite impressive like records and has you know shaped the theater landscape in a in a way that I can't think of any other shows quite like it have in the last five or six years, shall we say, particularly in the UK. And I just think it's a very unfair brush to paint it with. I think that for something that has so much longevity to it, yeah, it's unfair to say that it's a fleeting moment in time that doesn't actually provide any cultural quality yeah i think you're absolutely right with that one and heather's is a show that has had a very long kind of development period which has included performances and workshops on both sides of the atlantic as well and the heathers that as we know it now is a almost unrecognizable from the original version of heathers that did debut in america and i think that getting that consistent but also concurrent feedback that keeps going and keeps it evolving and keeps learning is one of the reasons why the show is so great but it's not just how heathers itself has developed it's how the developments that we've seen through heathers and the changes and the improvements we've seen have also then impacted onto the genre as a whole and without jumping ahead too much we are now starting to see the influences of heathers the learnings of heathers the good and the bad manifest themselves into other team musicals generally adaptations of more well-known ip some of which have been in the works for longer than heathers but just never got that commercial break and it's almost that heathers has kind of been the blueprint for everything that is coming in terms of the team musical and this is a good thing undeniably you've got a great line that you say quite a lot which i think is something along the lines of heathers had to walk so that everything else could run or well i mean it it is ironic that heathers is the blueprint for the teen musical when heathers was the blueprint for teen films of the mean girl genre shall we say because it did exist so all of these other films that we adore like mean girls could exist mean girls is just the modern heathers and it's something that 
we see even now in films like I don't know if anyone else saw Do Revenge that was on Netflix. I know it's something that I really enjoyed, but that's a film that came out in 2022. Was it last year? Yeah. Yeah. 2022. And even that is still making references to Heather's and still making references to the pinnacle of teen cinema. And I think that it's quite, yeah, it's just quite poetic that it's also kind of translated to the stage world as well. I think that that's always a testament though to the original writing and the original kind of concepts of these shows and the original creatives behind them. It's very easy to just churn out things that copy the blueprint that's already there, but to actually originate that step change and to be part of making that new genre happen, that's where the challenges come from and that's where it can be make or break both for a genre as a whole but also for an individual show yes there are reasons why heather's you know it's closed literally this weekend in the uk that's that's it now for heather's for now it's very easy to remember heather's for some of the wrong reasons and like i say there are reasons to not remember heather's as such but let's not use that against everything that it has achieved and everything that has, that it has done. Um, you know, just to, to put it out there once and for all, cause we've kind of skirted around this a few times and we've mentioned Heather's and stuff. It's a show that during its London run from 2021 to 2023 was single-handedly keeping a venue open pretty much. And all the other new shows and new workshops and developments that we were able to get because of Heather's, it's not just about, one show and a genre it's about everything else that comes with that and we have seen other teen musicals start to get into development and start to get their first bites of the cherry because of heather's like that's incredible for one show to kind of achieve that much and it is one of the biggest shows of a generation for a reason yeah and i think i'm quite excited what is going to come from the generation that have grown up with Heathers as their intro to musical theatre. Yeah. Because I think that we're already seeing influences, music styles and tone as well, what a musical can be about. We're seeing that influence starting to come out now. And I think in 10 years time, we're going to have such a like renaissance of teen musicals young adult musicals that are gonna be fantastic in the same way that the 80s teen film like John Hughes inspired all the mid noughties teen films that we all know and love today it's it's like a just a nice little cycle that's going on nice little pipeline that makes me very happy anyway (laughs) like we say this is your specialist subject this week So we've touched a bit on Heathers there. And if you want to hear more on our thoughts of Heathers, just get in touch, to be honest. Like if you wanted to listen, we'll just talk at you for hours. But let's move on now into some of the more up and coming shows that are starting to to be there And, and less kind of shows as well, but also like what almost constitutes a teen musical. Where, where shall we start next though? Well, why don't we start with one of the, most recent additions to the teen musical roster that, I don't know, perhaps shares a creative with Heathers. 
I think this is the great next step. Um, because as we know, Andy Fickman, um, incredible director, creative, heavily involved with Heathers, obviously. Mr. Heathers. Yes. Might as well change his name. Um, has recently uh, been involved with a workshop of a very new musical that I saw literally was the in the first audience to ever see this workshop. 13 going on 30, the musical. I am so gutted that I haven't been able to see this and I was really hoping to make it, but just the stars did not align. Tell us a bit more then about this workshop. So obviously an adaptation of another iconic teen film that I haven't seen. Yet. Start us <laughs> off on A, I guess the experience of seeing a teen musical in its very genesis. Like we saw in the same week as you saw 13 going on 30, you saw Heather's in its final form, in its final week before it goes away for a bit. So going from something that is so perfectly rounded and finished to something that is still at its very genesis. Talk to us a little bit about that. For those who don't know the plot of 13 going on 30, the basic premise is that Jenna is 13 years old. It's her 13th birthday. She's miserable. She hates life as most the 13 year olds do. Um, she makes a wish that she wants to be 30. She wants to skip over all the awkward teen phase and jump to her thirties. Lo and behold, she wakes up and she's 30, but she's still got the mind of a 13 year old. That's the basic premise of the show. Um, all the hijinks and chaos that come with that. Ultimately, it's about finding yourself and loving yourself for who you are quite similar to the ending number of Heathers is all about, you know, embracing things as they are and not trying to change things and not trying to rush to be a grown up and just enjoy the process of being a teenager. And I think seeing this show this week, something, it's another film that I'm very, very attached to and have a lot of strong connections with growing up. Um, and I think it was about 10 when the film came out and it was one of those films that I had the DVD and it was one that I just watched all the time because I didn't have a whole load of DVDs, you know, Netflix, what's that? And it's something that I know so well. And as always, as I've grown up, been a story that I think I've become more and more attached to. And I think that this is one thing that 13 going on 30, the musical is going to do quite well off the back of is that nostalgia element that people are going to want to see this because they love the film. And I think the key thing that it's got to do next is make sure that it captures the audience who haven't seen the film, which I think it's already managed to do. There were people in the audience who were admitting, you know, they'd never seen the film before. They were just there for the creatives, the cast, just kind of expecting good things based on the success of things like Heather's. And the whole process was so special to see that really early workshop, you know, completely stripped back songs and the book. That's pretty much all we got. And I think it's been done in such a great way that 
I do genuinely believe that it's going to capture both the fans of the film and the new audiences because it's kept everything from the film that people that I love and that other people love. But the songs are good enough in their own right to stand alone. And I think that's what is quite exciting about this particular piece of work is that the two are kind of, I can see them fusing together in a really strong way further down the line when we get things like set, things like costume that kind of tie everything together. I can kind of already see the trajectory that it's on. I think that's one of the really interesting parts about kind of this genre, especially when you're adapting a previous IP, is finding that balance between attracting those new audiences, but also keeping it faithful enough to the source material. Heathers, for instance, you know, is one where it deviates enough from the source material that it is its own work in its own right. But also if you know the film inside out, you can see all of where it aligns and the changes that are made to make it work for stage are all necessary. They're all ones that actually kind of need to be made. And it sounds like it's the same kind of thing with 13 going on 30 musical, where the important parts are all still there. The elements that people are going to go and expect to see are still going to be included. But then if there's something that has to be popped in to get that jump from green to stage, it's still going to, seem like it's meant to be there and you know we know that Andy Fitman knows what he's doing when it comes to the teen musical or indeed the teen film genre. Yes Andy Fickman is also responsible for one of my other favorite films of all time She's the Man um, which Andy if you need any ideas do that one next for me please. Um, <laughs> that deserves to be on stage I think it would do very well. Um, but I think a combination of someone who's like the king of the teen genre when it comes to directing, plus keeping the original screenwriters of the film, writing the book, you keep all the elements that make the audience go, oh, I remember that bit from the film. I remember that bit. And even though I was sat there going, I know this, I know the film so well that I know exactly what's coming next. It also helped me in that early stage to be, to kind of visualize what was happening and to kind of understand if it was working or not. But going in, knowing the story and thinking, oh, that bit's changed. So it works for the stage. That bit has kept the same and it's got the same reaction that I expected it to get. It's just kind of, kind of nice to go in with that pre, pre-knowledge. Should we say it felt like I'd done my homework? Yeah, in a weird kind of way. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I think that's what that is. One of the interesting things about these shows is that when you can go in and see all that stuff that you you want to see, but also you know, like for so for Heather's for instance, I went in having never seen the film, whereas you went in knowing the film inside out, and we both took very different things from the show as a result of that yeah but then the more that we talk about it actually and now having seen the film and for you having seen the musical etc like we can see and and actually we come to very similar conclusions but it's also interesting seeing like even how just with heathers how much show, that show has developed in the last couple of years so then to see something like i say it's very genesis and watch that then develop and grow is very exciting 
yeah, I'm super excited to see where this goes next. Um, I think it's one to watch. And I think that with a full scale production, we'll do very, very well. I think it's going to get that sweet spot between being nostalgia driven and being for the new audiences. So that's an interesting kind of jumping off point to move on from that. So less about kind of teen musicals, but just kind of keeping in mind the teen musical genre in a way. There's kind of like a bit of a subgenre to that of the, the almost the coming of age musical that we've been seeing a lot of over the last few years. Things like millennials, things like halls, things like babies, which are still arguably teen musicals, but don't have that existing IP to fall back on. Completely new and unique shows in their own right. I think it's very interesting how we're seeing a lot of these appearing at the same time as we're seeing a lot of teen musicals that are adaptations starting to appear. So to stick with Andy Fickman, for instance, he also directed Halls at the Turbine Theatre earlier on this year in 2023, which for me was... The, the production, really good, like really enjoy the direction, but the concept and the kind of story behind it just felt a bit meh. And it was almost just, and I think we might be seeing a bit of saturation around this kind of genre already, which I think is quite interesting. And I think that links into what we're saying about how we're starting to see more team musicals appear. So we'll, we'll come back to that part if I just part that for now. But like Halls, for instance, I, I think it was didn't really know what it wanted to do when it was meant to be who the target audience was like when it was set. And I think that's one of the challenging things that we're also going to see with some of these team musicals is do we update them or do we keep them set in their time? Again, to use Heather's as an example, just because it's a show that most people have seen. So it's always easy to come back to very firmly rooted in the eighties, very firmly rooted in 1989, quite specifically. It's there's things in there, for instance, slang or slurs around certain identities that are not particularly au fait in 2023. But some of them are very intrinsic to the show and you couldn't get rid of because you just couldn't have an adaptation of Heather's without them. But at the same time, are they all strictly necessary to tell the story? to a 2023 audience it's not so much about setting the scene it's just about does it need to be there and i think that's something like with with halls for instance with other shows that we've seen they're trying to appeal to a 2023 audience without saying necessarily when it's being set and that starts to cause problems because it's like when is this meant to be am i meant to be taking this as I'm watching 2023 people or am I watching 2012 people through a 2023 lens almost? And I think that's one of the big challenges that this genre is going to have moving forwards, especially with some of the adaptations is deciding what they want to achieve. And I would say it is important to decide that from the start. That isn't something that you can just kind of add on or hope for the best later part of the success is heavens is because it's so heavily set in 1989 and some of it were meant to feel a little bit uncomfortable watching whereas some of these other shows it could just be set whenever so i'm like okay i'm i'm lost now because one moment you've got a reference that's hyper modern and then the next moment you've got a reference that's 20 years old this 
person at university wouldn't know that reference from 20 years ago. And I know that part of this is me being old. So No, but I think this this was one of my only complaints, shall we say, about 13 going on 30. And I know that it is in its workshop stage, like a very early workshop stage. So I can't hold it against it too much. The film is so deeply rooted in the 80s and the early 2000s. I wasn't quite sure if we're going down that same route. Will that necessarily translate to audiences in 2023? I don't know. Like, is that going to bring in the appeal for, say, a 15-year-old in 2023 that it would bring in for someone who's 30 years old who remembers the original film? I don't know. It's a it's a it's a difficult situation, and I think this is why I'm intrigued by Mean Girls, which is coming to the UK imminently, <laughs> finally, um, in June. I believe it's June next year. Yeah. So June 2024, Mean Girls is finally coming to the UK, but it is being workshopped. We are getting tweaks, and we are getting updates. And Mean Girls is another film that is very 2004. Watching it with a 2023 lens, you think, oh my God, some of these jokes were pushing it back then, never mind now. I don't know what the musical's done with that. I don't know if it's kept it firmly rooted in that kind of early 2000s energy, or if we've updated it slightly and moved things forward and have adapted things with that in mind. I'm quite intrigued to see if it continues being adapted in the way that we saw Legally Blonde adapted for the Regent's Park production last summer. I think this is the key thing with this genre is that you want to stay faithful to the source material but at times that can be the downfall. I think the challenge is keeping that balance right. And I think if we're seeing it with original works that are not quite sure where they're set, it's even harder when you've got that original source material that you're working with. Because again, you want to stay faithful, but you don't want to alienate a whole group of fans who you actually need to keep that source material alive and legitimize the musical as a whole really i think that's the really interesting part of it but it's also why it's always really great to see workshops and to see a very honest kind of creative process like you know again there were tweaks and stuff to heathers which arguably has removed some of the most questionable parts of it and seeing that for other musicals and other shows definitely helps. Like one of my things I think with Halls, it just sort of seemed to get this very big, it, obviously it had a workshop or a, the lines were blurred through that whole kind of creative process about what it was because it was in development musical, but it wasn't, but it was, and it had had a previous bit and all the rest of it. But it was something that was almost being presented as 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 finished and as a case of like if you do criticize this then you are not allowed to criticize it almost whereas something like a workshop so i was also at a workshop for babies earlier on in the year that is much more rounded in when it's set which is now and it is aimed at teens now 
but equally there's stuff that I took out of it at 30 and it was also though very honest of being this is a workshop we do want your feedback like it is gonna keep changing and I think some of that is down to how these shows get put on and how they get built and I I totally get that there's a desire to bring shows to market quickly and to fill that demand especially if it is perceived as being aimed at the teen audience of today especially if it's already been put back a few years because of the pandemic but at the same time let's not rush into these things because the shows that get rushed into aren't necessarily going to do the best and then we may not see them again and that whilst there are shows none that i've mentioned but whilst there are some shows that do fall in this genre that are perhaps best not spoken about anymore again none i've mentioned Equally, there are some shows that very much deserve to have that development and have that life and have that chance. Something like Halls, I think, has got potential. I just don't think it knows what it wants to do yet, in my opinion. And it, until it knows that, it's not going to find that potential. And whereas Babies, for instance, knows what it's doing. No surprise, anyway. Like We know that Jack Godfrey is a genius, but that show knows what it's doing. And it was the same with something like Heather's. It knows what it wants to do. And from what you're saying, it sounds similar with like 13 going on 30. It sounds like it knows what it wants to do. So it's going to get there. The reason that it's so important is that at the moment we seem to be having quite an influx of this genre. And I know we've kind of already touched on this slightly, but we not only have all of these pre-existing works, we have, you know, new works coming over, transfers coming over, but also rumours of musicals that have had off-Broadway runs that weren't particularly successful or unsuccessful. They just happened. But again, are firmly in that teen musical based on an iconic teen film. One of the rumours that has been floating around on the internet is that the Clueless musical is looking to transfer late next year, early 2025. Workshops, etc. will probably happen as part of that because I don't think it's been on stage since 2019. So there's, there's work that can be done. I think that we are in a dangerous position at the moment of having too many of these adaptations which is not something I say lightly because I am an absolute defender of adaptations from film to stage it's not something that I ever thought I would be like oh hang on a minute getting a bit too many of these now part of this sudden influx as well is because we have had Heather's dominating for so long and now that Heather's is out of the market everyone's kind of wanting to have a go and that's not a bad thing it puts us in a dangerous position where potentially great works could fall through the cracks because there is just such an oversaturation of the same thing all at once yes i I completely agree and this is what i was the point i was saying as well about like kind of the the sub-genre of the coming of age musical where we've had a lot of very very similar shows granted all original but nonetheless very very similar shows in a very short space of time and some of the benefit to that has been that some of those have been much smaller and have been 
um, lesser productions that have been taking their time, not lesser in terms of value, less just in terms of like how much, how big they are and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's also very interesting and it's also very much keeping in mind that the creatives, the performers, etc., linked to a show will have a bearing on its success. And unfortunately, sometimes just because shows have got big names attached to them, it doesn't mean that they're going to be any good. We need to take more of a chance on the unknowns and some of the danger that we have of multiple adaptations, multiple shows of the same genre is that those other shows by those more unknown writers or with those more unknown performers in them are not going to get that space because a tiny little workshop in the village hall down the road, it could be the best thing ever, but no one's going to go to it and see it. Something that gets a very long run at a very well-known studio theatre in the centre of town is going to get a much more bigger buy-in and a lot more people going to it just because of the location, just because of the producer doesn't mean it's any good. And I think we are in the danger sometimes, both as fans, as critics, and also just as theatre community and theatre lovers of not just us, but, but everybody, of putting too much emphasis on those established names. And that links into the idea that we're potentially going to get too many adaptations as well, because are we going to start going to adaptations over that brand new content? just because oh, we loved that film when we were growing up, so it must be great. And I think there is a balance to be had. I, I totally agree with, with you, Becky, that the adaptation has a place and that the jukebox musical has a place and the adaptation jukebox musicals have a place, as do the original content. But there does need to be balance and there does need to be moderation. And sometimes that doesn't always happen. And it certainly is starting to feel as someone who perhaps isn't, this isn't my first choice genre. It is starting to feel now we are getting a lot of this at once. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just something that we have to be, I think, cautious about. Yeah. Because I also don't agree with the fact that it's got to be original work or adaptations. You can't have both at the same time. I think they can both they can both coexist. Absolutely. And there is a space for both of them. Yeah. In the same way, Heather's being an adaptation will have inspired new work. Yeah. And the new work will then continue to inspire new work. Like there's no bad side to adaptations if they're kind of drip fed. And to look at theatre in the UK at a broader scale, outside of the teen genre, we do have a hell of a lot of adaptations on the West End right now. I mean, let's just pick some of the biggest shows on the West End as to whether or not they're adaptations. Lame is adaptation. Phantom, adaptation. Lion King, adaptation. Like, they're a Frozen adaptation. Like, they, this is not new. Adaptations are not new. And I think this links back to one of the things we were saying right towards the start of the episode, whereby this genre always gets judged harsher by a lot of critics just because of the fan base or just because of the perceived um, notions of the show. I will defend Les Mis to the end of the earth. But if we're going to come for adaptations, if we're going to come for Heather's because it's an adaptation of a film, we're going to come for Les Mis as well because it's an adaptation of a book. I think it's interesting seeing the reactions to these 
musicals being announced and all the reactions being like, can't we adapt books instead? And I'm like, we have been doing, it's boring. Like, you know, there's only so many books that we can adapt at this stage. There's only so many films we can adapt at this stage. Why don't we just like roll a dice and see what we're doing? Original, book, film, make it work that way. Like, why not? <laughs> but this is it. There is room for all of that. And exactly. there's, there's also room for the adaptations that are also original. Something like Anne Juliet, like wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Shakespeare writing Romeo and Juliet. But it is an original work. But it it is an adaptation, arguably. And I, I think this is the thing. It isn't as black and white as going, we've got too many adaptations or original work's bad or you can't have this, you can't have that. There needs to be that healthy mix. And in some respects, now that we're starting to see a bit of almost market saturation around the team musical or starting to get these shows coming through that might suggest that might happen. On the flip side, it's kind of how it's meant to work is that all these shows appear and whichever is the best of them gets the life. Like the the fans choose. That is kind of how it's meant to work. But I still worry, especially with where theatre is kind of post-pandemic, especially thinking about things like cost of living. Can we actually sustain this many shows to even get to that point where they're competing in a healthy way? And my 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 honest thought at the moment is probably not. And then it just comes down to which producers, which uh, productions have got the most backing behind them. And that doesn't necessarily, as I was saying, mean the best show is going to win. Not that that's the right language, but... It's almost like survival of the fittest, but the odds are already so stacked against every show that it's almost unfair to begin with. Yeah. So... And I think that's where... So just kind of to close off that point, I think that's where the theatre community, but also then the subgenre of that, the theatre critic community or the theatre bloggers, theatre reviewers, theatre podcasters, whatever we're calling ourselves this week, we also need to be much, we need to remember what our purpose is. And if we're going to go and see these shows, they might not be, if they're not for us, don't go to them. In the If you know you don't, not a fan of the teen genre, don't go to it. Invite somebody who actually is going to get something out of it. But then also once you do go, or if you go, you might hate the show. You might hate the genre. You might have just decided that you don't like Heathers because it's popular for argument's sake. If you're going to go and see it, at least go and give it a fair chance and be objective about it. And if it is genuinely objectively bad, regardless of who's involved, you can give it a poor review without being mean. Like bad reviews are a part of this business. But if it is genuinely good, even if it's not your cup of tea, still at least give it a fair chance. There's shows that I've seen, there's shows that we've both seen over the last couple of years that were like, wasn't for me, but we've still come out and given it decent reviews because they've been objectively good shows, just subjectively not for us. I think I would say, I hate to use this comparison, but you wouldn't go to a horror film knowing that you dislike horror and come out saying it was a terrible film because I didn't have a good time. Like you can go in and say, I personally didn't enjoy it, but the show's good. I think just do your homework, do your research. The teen genre is such a rich and varied genre across all medium, across any type of art form. 
there's always something for everyone. Like, I even think that the teen genre as a categorization isn't a fair categorization. I think that it wouldn't hurt for people to do the research, learn about the source material, learn about the themes, look at it bigger than just being like, oh, this is aimed at teenage girls, so therefore it's terrible. Like, we can all do better. And I just close it off as well by saying just because you're a reviewer, it doesn't mean you have to see everything. Like, you don't have to go and see everything. You can be the best reviewer of a specific genre. Like like me. <laughs> yeah. I am coming for this crown of being the queen of the teen musical. Like, I, I am qualified. So the last thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, or we, we wanted to just touch on with this one, is still kind of within that larger teen genre is also then how shows that have had a successful life can continue to keep evolving because just because a show is done doesn't mean it's done like nothing is ever fully finished legally blonde yeah so we've already kind of touched on this a little bit but legally blonde is a musical that has had multiple iterations over the years and Legally Blonde, the film is so deeply rooted in early 2000s, like bubblegum pink feminism. You would think that that wouldn't fly with 2022 audiences. But the Legally Blonde Regents Park open air theatre production managed to make it work in a way that I didn't expect to be possible. They modernised a show so completely that they made it better and I didn't think that they could make it better. And that was the thing though, it was such a flawless modernization and revival that kept all of the important parts that are so intrinsic to Legally Blonde, both the film, the history of the musical, everything that the fans would expect, but made it so firmly rooted in a contemporary scene for contemporary audiences that it shows that these shows the setting is important but also you can update them and modernize them within reason you're not going to be able to turn around and say okay heather's is now set in 2005 like it it wouldn't happen heather's set in 2023 not going to happen but you can have that thought and that's why i think it is so important to decide who your market is or what you want to achieve with a show before you even start getting into it, because that does make all the difference. And we saw that with Legally Blonde, all of the decisions, which I know upset some bigots, let's call them what they are. Um, I know some of those decisions were not popular with bigots, but the rest of us loved them. And it had all of the hallmarks of the film of the past musicals completely modernized seamlessly like if that was the first time you'd ever seen legally blonde and you knew nothing about it you wouldn't question any of it and it's almost the same like we've then seen in the film world in 2023 with like the barbie movie again something that is so bubblegum pink and is so stereotypical but then once you actually get into it they've stripped that kind of expectations back and gone oh no you can love pink and be a bit ditzy and be a bit of an airhead but actually you've still got 
important things and you can still stand up for what you believe in and all the rest of it. And I just think with the fact that we're starting to see this now come into mainstream culture is really hopeful for these teen shows that are coming next. And I think we just now need everyone to give them that chance. I agree. And I think, again, as someone who adored the Legally Blonde film and knows it so well, going into that 2022 production, it is the best example of a show keeping everything that was good about the original and still not alienating young audiences. It wasn't pandering to anyone. It was just existing. And I think that is how shows like this are going to survive long term is just existing unapologetically for what they are and showcasing how good they are and how adaptable they are as time passes. You've summed it up beautifully. Told you this was my uh, my week. It is indeed. Um, if like Becky, this was also your week and you want to get in touch with your favourite teen uh, genre musical or indeed have thoughts on the teen genre musical, please do get in touch. Our question of the week is, what is your favourite teen musical? Nice and simple. Keeping it easy for you. You can find that little answer box on Spotify if you are listening on there. Unfortunately, um, that is only for our Spotify listeners. So you can't play that game on your, wherever you're getting your podcasts, but you can Get in touch on social media. You can find us on Instagram and threads at Overstudies blog. We are on Blue Sky. Just search overstudies.co.uk. You can also drop us an email if you are so inclined. Stage at overstudies.co.uk. Or navigate onto the World Wide Web and go to www.overstudies.co.uk. Click contact and you'll see our little contact form that you can get in touch. I guess not the question of the week, but also I'd love to know because I'm a nerd. If you had to pick a teen film to be adapted for the stage, what would it be? You know what mine would be? Share with the class. Wild Child. Oh my God, yeah. That would be iconic. Don't have to think about it. That I think that would do quite well, you know. I think it would. And especially we don't get many British teen musicals. They're all, all American. Yeah. So let's, let's show them how it's done. That would be, I, you could do such a great, I just want to see like the fire scenes, like the pyros would be fantastic. Or just the lighting design, you don't even need pyros. I'm getting excited about it already. Book me to come and do the uh, stage and set and lighting design. Please. For this non-existent <laughs> musical. Yeah, maybe I'll adapt it. Go on. I'll do that. You can do, she's the man. I don't think I could do it justice. Um, you are the I queen mean, of the genre, you just... I mean, yeah, Andy Fickman, if you're listening, um, get in touch. Let's let's talk. She's the man. <laughs> I'm shooting my shot. Why not? <laughs> no, I think it it would be a very good adaptation for the stage, given that it's Shakespearean roots. So true, because you are also a Shakespeare girl. I'm a Shakespeare girly. I'm a teen musical girly. Shakespeare was a teen musical girly, given half the chance. So why not? fair no fair um yeah let us know your ideal adaptation as well if you've got one there's maybe something out there that's staring us in the face that we haven't seen so do let us know otherwise we'll be back next week at the same time at the same place wherever you get your podcasts so it's goodbye from me becky and it's goodbye from me charlie see you next time bye